I say fat as a neutral word, by the way. Fat people can actually be happy and they can be neutral about themselves and they're not working to get smaller or thinner. They are just the way they are and it's okay. And I think a lot of people have issues with that or they have problems with accepting that. And that's also the reason why some people don't don't expect plus size curvy fat women to dress nicely because they're like shocked that they even look cuter than they wear in their smaller size, for example. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to a new episode of Social Confodes. We're back with Sean Luke and myself, Diego. And before we head over to the introductions, just some quick announcement. If you haven't followed us already on Instagram, we're on Instagram at Confos. And we're also on YouTube at Confos as well. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, subscribe now to get the latest updates of the new episodes and some shorts. Our first short is on the the channel, so check that out. And as well as subscribe at confos.substack.com for some goodies in the next few months. So you don't want to miss that. So subscribe at confos.substack.com for some interesting goodies. Sean, look. You're getting better and better at this. I'm handing it over to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're getting better and better at this. It's it's almost as smooth already as the the welcome to social convos part. So I'm I'm impressed. So uh, today we have a very special guest. It's actually somebody that I personally have met, and basically our connection is through our parents because my dad and the dad of my and of our guests for today are actually colleagues. That's how they know each other. And before I introduce her, quick story that. I don't know if she knows about, but when I moved back from the Netherlands to Suriname, I got really sick. Like the the actual flight, me migrating back to Suriname, I got really, really sick. I was actually in Rotterdam. I was staying at some friends and I I was supposed to go to Schiphol to fly back to Suriname. And I wasn't feeling right. So I sent my dad a text like, hey, I'm not sure about this. And he told me like, okay, head over to this and this place and get checked. And actually, when they did the check, they told me, don't fly. You're too sick to fly. And I had to recover. And it's actually to our guests that, that I was able to recover. I think I even stayed at, at, at her parents' house for at least a night to fly to recover. So that's like a small story. She'll, she'll tell if she knows about that story. But today's guest is actually a fashionista, a fashion lover, fashion, and also very skilled because she actually studied fashion. I wouldn't say she would consider herself traditional fashionista, but then again, what is traditional now? So without further ado, I would like to introduce somebody that I look up to a lot as an, expi- uh, as an aspiring blogger, Yusin Willa. Welcome to Social yeah. Conference. Thank you so much. Such a lovely introduction. And yes, I remember. It was actually more than one night. You stayed quite... Yeah, I was really, I was really ill. Yeah, (laughs) you were really really sick. 
And it, it was, I think it was all the stress coming like, okay, I'm definitely migrating back to Sure now. And your dad was like, yeah, you, you're, you need, you need to, to get some rest. But yeah, my parents were so happy to have you there. So yeah, I think, you remember. Cool. Yeah. So, but that means, of course, for people that don't understand, you grew up in Hofdorp, which is very close to, to Schiphol, to the international yeah. airport of, of the Netherlands. So what is that, is that like? Because a lot of us, we know Hofdorp, we know it like as a student city, like something close to Schiphol, but as a city growing up in the Netherlands, what kind of city was Hofdorp? Well, it was more like a town, to be honest. I mean, now it's all big and fancy and there's a lot going on. But when I grew up, yeah, it wasn't really a lot. And there's a lot of like new buildings, so new families. So not, I don't really, I can't speak of experience, but there was not really a really clear like settlement of community. So that was like growing and growing and growing. And now it's like, yeah, it's almost a city. But back, back in the days, it wasn't. So how did you get your fashion inspiration oh inspiration wow i always find that a really difficult question but i do know it was always something i really really liked so even with playing with my dolls or with my barbies you know i never played with them i dressed them up my mother always sewed our clothing and i would like use the, the the leftover fabrics to make outfits for barbie things like that so it was already from a young age funny enough i never aspired to become a fashionista or anything in fashion it just kind of happened so there's like a red line without me knowing it so before we go on your journey with fashion yeah. you just mentioned barbie and i think a yeah. few months a few weeks ago the popular movie barbie with margot robbie got released so have you seen really? it and seen it and what was your impression on their take on Barbie and how they integrated, you know, all the fashion and glamour in. Well, I've got to be honest with you, I haven't seen it yet. There was something with my personal life that I just couldn't make the time to go, but I'm definitely going to see it in the coming weeks. But of course, I've seen a lot of things going on on socials, quite shockingly things as well. And the previews that I've seen, yeah, I really, I absolutely love it because I think they, they really nailed it. But that's, my pre, yeah, how do you say that? What I think, how I will like it. But of course, I'm not sure. So I have to be honest. Okay, so you haven't seen that yet. But going back to your childhood, playing with Barbie, like what was so, I guess, enticing or interesting that pulled you from, you know, I like dressing these dolls up and eventually dressing yourself up. Like what, yeah. what, 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 what was the, like being busy with your hands, like fabrics? like the, the aesthetics. What was yeah, it's, yeah, I, I totally understand what you, you, you mean. It was, I think it's more like creating. So the thing, the fact that you can, you could just wear a dress, but you can also wear a dress, you know, you can dress it up, you can style it the way you want to, you can roll up your sleeves, put a belt around it, things like that to just give some really uh, clear examples. But uh, I think it's more the creating part that I really liked, color combinations indeed, what kind of fabric do you use for what kind of style and how well the drape will be on the, on the body? Yeah, things like that. And I, I knew that already from a young age because I also remember telling my mom to change clothes and add accessories or, you know, like really being a little, you know what I mean? So it started on really young. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting that you mentioned it because 
in the Netherlands, you also have different seasons. So yeah. you kind of start experimenting. And I have to ask the question, which of those seasons is your favorite and why? When it comes uh, to, especially when it comes to fashion. Yeah. Oh, I don't have to think about that. That's autumn or fall, how, I, uh, how we say it. Yeah, autumn, definitely. I love it. Best season for fashion, if you ask me. Is it, is it because of the colors? Yeah, the colors and the light. The light is beautiful outside during fall and the colors indeed. But also like you're transitioning from summer to fall. And that transition time, it's really, I always find it a little bit of magic. And you start layering off, you know, up. So you add more layers to your garments because it gets colder in the Netherlands. And yeah, I really, yeah, I like that yeah, the atmosphere. So on that topic of layering up, I've been to the Netherlands a few times. I think two, both of the times it was during November. So it was started getting cold. It was a transition from autumn to winter. And mm -hmm. the recommendation is, yeah, wear multiple layers, right? And the yeah. first time you go, you're, you're, you're like stacked up. Like you, you don't care how you look. You just want to protect yourself from the cold. So yeah, exactly. if we're talking about practicality and also looking good, what are your go-to tips for someone not familiar with a cold climate on staying warm, but also looking good? <laughs> That's always my main goal throughout whole winter. So uh, yeah, I guess my, yeah, my best advice is indeed layering again, you know, make sure you have a good base like a singlet or something, or even a shirt with long sleeves and just wear your garments over and layer up like a blouse with a spencer or wear a sweater over a dress, you know, layer up and make it fashion. There are a lot of examples, even I'm showing a lot of examples during wintertime, but yeah, there's a lot going on. And I think, yeah, just also wear a proper jacket because in the Netherlands, the layering is important because you never know what the weather will be like. Because for example, now we're in summer, and I'm just keep telling my daughter how this fall holiday is really long because it's been three weeks of rain and cold and wearing boots. So you never know, you know, when, when you have to take something off or on. Okay. I, I, sorry, but we're <laughs> going to dive into this because this is actually a lot of fun. Take me through a schedule because this is always for, for women as difficult as men, because I would just tell Diego, get a really cool winter coat and wear it everywhere. <laughs> Because for men, it's just, we have a cool coat. Okay, maybe a scarf, a nice scarf, and we're done. Like people yeah. only get to see underneath, okay, yeah, a nice pair of jeans or nice pants and nice shoes, and you're basically done. But for women, yeah. there's so many more accessories. So how do you kind of prepare yourself for these different weathers? Is it like you have a compartment in your car where you kind of have different shoes? Or is it just going to be no? I just know my, my color screens and I'm just sure that these are the quality things that I have to have at all times. Well, I think I'm the only person here who probably has an extra pair of shoes in their car. So yeah, but I guess the normal people don't. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's, it's literally what you said. I mean, I also have that nice coat. I just have like six or seven or maybe a few more. Oops. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? But yeah, that's how it goes. And I just adapt my coat to my outfit so that I make it like a whole. And that's also like part of my, yeah, my fashion love journey that I just combine everything I have. So I also have multiple shoes. I have like heels 
boots with high heels. I have boots with low heels. If it's snowing, I don't want the high heels. And that's how I do varieties. But the normal people around here, they probably just have the flat shoes and a few heels and they just don't wear anything else. But I really adjust everything according to my outfit. And not everybody has the capacity or the financial equipment or whatever to do so, or even fun with it. You know, if it's like a hassle to you, like there are women who look at their closet and think, oh, what to wear today? And I'm like, yeah, it's a new party. So it also depends on how you are, I guess. But yeah, in general, we just make it fun. So if you had to pick from all the pieces, from your boots to your coat or just one, what, 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 what is the one piece that, you know, if, if you couldn't pick anything else that, oh, you got to have a cool scarf or a cool hat, something that makes you stand out. What, what would that one piece be that, that you'd, you go to? I think that's a really mean question. In general, for my closet, I'd say a good blazer. But I also agree with Jean-Luc when it comes to a good coat. Because a good coat really can make you stand out and look good. And you wear it always outside. So the people, whenever they see you, you are wearing the coat in colder days. So then I would say something between a blazer or a coat. Or a trench something coat. That something, people, something that people see like immediately, right? Yeah, that like the top layer. Eye. Yeah, exactly. But then you have also the issue that most women have that, like for men, it doesn't, oh, you're wearing the same thing. It's not that big of a deal as it is for women. Do so you think? Women, yeah, it's, it's, well, maybe we don't could you prove, it. Could, could you prove it wrong? Yeah, yeah, could you prove like, it wrong? Because like, fashion is very broad and you mainly yeah, specialize but, in fashion for women. But yeah. in your ex- experience over the years, you look at men's fashion. And you'd say, like, what makes a good piece for a man? Or, like, why should men pay more attention to fashion? Well, again, it, it should also be, co- yeah, it comes from the heart. It should be, like, a sort of, a you know, a, a passion as well. And not as passionate as I am. But you have to be interested in it. A lot of men aren't interested at all. You know, they just don't, simply don't care. But the men who do care, actually, have a lot of, options and i also like the way they dress i mean of course the the types of products generally men wear aren't as there's not such a big variety as for women but you can vary in color in shapes in combinations in layering again layering but also just in style you know you can really express yourself with fashion and doesn't really matter if you're yeah he she they them doesn't really matter you know you can express yourself the way you want to and I think that is the most important part of fashion. And yeah, to be honest, maybe we shouldn't also really be looking at it from a women's point of view and a men's point of view, especially these days, but more like a passion and something you really like. Just the way you shop your shoes. I mean, if you go to a store, if you're a, a man or a woman, you buy what you like. You're not going to buy something that you, unless you're you know, buying walking shoes, but you're not going to buy something you really don't really like you're like oh okay i'll buy this no you know you look at it from a point of taste let's put it that way from from that perspective i've changed because okay i wear a lot of black shirts but it's a practicality reason it's the same reason for instance mark zuckerberg always wears a, a, a gray shirt or steve jobs used to wear like the black the black turtlenecks it's, it's from a practicality standpoint and also, it's easy because 
well, if people are going to wear it, you're wearing the same thing. It doesn't matter because it's the style that I wear. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of black shirt it is. It's basically just a black shirt. If I have variety, it's mainly it's a text that I've printed on the shirt to make a bold statement. And that's about it. And, and that's just, it's just a practice from a practicality standpoint. But I think, but also women, taste probably because you like taste. the way it looks on you or else it you wouldn't good. have chosen it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It looks good. Because yeah. I could have also chosen for gray, but gray just doesn't look as good as black does. So that's also a, a choice that I made. But then when I look in, at the at women uh, parts, it's like, okay, I have to be careful what I wear, especially to a party, because if I wore something before and it gets noticed so well, it becomes like an issue. So my main question in this line is, no, I had it once. Like somebody once told me like, hey, listen, you're wearing these pants a little bit too much and you're going on all these television interviews. So be mindful of that. And I was actually like, yeah, that makes sense. So what I'm really going at, is there a piece of clothing that you like really liked? And at a certain point, you weren't able to wear it as much as possible because maybe it was featured too much that people started recognizing from your blog posts or your social media or something that you were like, you were hesitant to wear it because it was kind of being overexposed. Yeah, I guess every season I have that. Well, is it an issue? I don't know. I just, it's just the thing is with me. I mean, I love fashion, but comfort, like comfy wear is still most important. So back in the day when I started blogging, I would really, you know, put on really high heels to make photos. And then afterwards I would tell the people, okay, I didn't wear this all day. I uh, changed for sneakers, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm like, not doing that anymore. Like for years already, I'm like, no, it's not realistic to be walking around those high heels, you know, for a party or now and then it's fine. But going to the supermarket, no, not me. Well, not me. Yeah? A lot of people do, but I don't. So now it's comfy over everything, actually. So yeah, I have that with shoes, for example. I love certain shoes and I'm really, yeah, I have a difficulty of letting them go. So sometimes like, mm, yeah, wearing those shoes again, maybe I should crop that photo. So with shoes, yeah, I definitely have that. Okay, with shoes. So I also found peace in it because yeah. it, like sustainability is also a thing now. So that's also something I consider when I show off my outfits, that I do show the people that I wear my garments more often and that when I choose to work with a brand and I pick out an outfit, that that's also something I like and I love and I love to wear. And that's what, the way I show it is that I wear it multiple times. So... In that sense, I've changed a lot, but also I think the world has changed a lot, the mindset. Speaking of, of the world changing and also looking at the sustainability part, you've actually also studied fashion. Yeah. So you've, you've seen the, the, the practical side of things, but also like how it's being taught in theory, how it's being taught in school. So yep. how much of the, how many similarities are, or what are the main things that are similar to when you get taught about fashion and when you actually introduce that in that pra in, in practice in real life? Well, to be honest, it's been a while since I've done my studies. I did international fashion management in Amsterdam at the Amsterdam Fashion Institute. And it's been a while back. There wasn't a lot of focus on sustainability at all back then. We did learn how fabrics were being made, how polyesters were involved, but also the positive side, you know, how things have been changing, evolving becoming better and nowadays I know they are really 
teaching the students about sustainability and how you can improve it. And, you know, the schools are doing like all kinds of projects about it. They even go abroad to improve factories, whatever, you know, it's really good. But back in my days, that wasn't the case. It's really something I've learned actually throughout just visiting factories. I've been to so many like Hong Kong, China, India, Indonesia, Turkey. So I visited quite some factories and then it's actually more in your face and you really get to see how it works actually and also what it does. How has that shaped your view on fast fashion? Because, you know, especially seasonal, you have a lot of fashion pieces that come out and they just churn out pieces after pieces, like one, like very mass produced fashion. And then it lasts maybe a few weeks, not even a full season before they batch something new. Like how has that shaped, especially the logistics behind churning out fashions from the factories in the East or Turkey or, or wherever they're manufactured? I think it's quite difficult to reply. First of all, from my business point of view, so like, you know, what I stand for, I know that bigger quantities have better prices and you can sell it cheaper. So there are different companies who have different strategies. Some don't do marketing and they spend their budget on quantities and change their different ways of production. That's just a really quick example of what I'm giving, but there is a lot more to it. And I'm also not specialized in it. I'm just going to say that out loud because sustainability is a whole different level. But what I do want to say about fast fashion is that the, of course, environmentally, it's really bad, but also the workers, the workers are being treated really bad. And that has been going on for many, many years. And I'm happy that there is now a bigger focus on that and also better inspection. But yeah, in general, of course, I don't approve of fast fashion. However, (laughs) there's a small however in this part. When it comes to, for the people who are just listening and don't see me, I'm a fat person. So I wear a big size, a plus size. And for us, it's a lot more difficult to shop sustainable, especially in Europe and in the Netherlands. At all, shopping is like a huge problem. We can only shop online and not always from the best shops. And also the transparency is really bad. So it's not like you get a pop-up saying, hey, this is transmission. So when you go online and you shop, it's like really, yeah, it's different compared to regular or smaller sizes. So that's the small side note I'm, I'm telling. And also when it comes to fashion, where my passion lies, it's often not available in the sustainable brands compared to the fast fashion who do offer it. So that is really difficult reply for me because I know from my followers as well that their heart lies in fashion and I want to also like oh I feel like I always also want to dress like that one time please and then this fast fashion chain comes up and sells it yeah I can understand that sometimes you can't really hold your enthusiasm yeah you have to choose your battles I feel yeah but you've just mentioned like a couple of different countries where the approaches are different as well so which country or which experience did you have that You were surprised, like, hey, I didn't realize that they were catering so much towards plus sizes. And which experience did you have with which country or which store that you were like, wow, I didn't didn't imagine that they invested so much in also making sure that every size or every shape also has an option? I guess when it comes from a long time ago, when I started, it was mainly UK. Germany also had some brands, but they were more focused on Older, not the really young people, 
And of course, the states, the United States, but ordering from the United States can be really a big hassle to, to the Netherlands. So, and I've never been there. So if you could like go there, you could, you know, it's like you can shop everywhere. But when it comes to like ordering from your home, it would be definitely the UK. Yeah. So why is it difficult to get stuff from the US into the Netherlands? It has to do with customs and we have to pay quite a lot if you are unlucky. Sometimes it just passes through easily. But yeah, it can really add up. Wow, that's interesting. I guess yeah. it's never really US focused. That actually goes a little, a little bit closer, easier, yeah. probably. Easier, so yeah. If you have to choose between getting it mass produced or boutique shops or even creating it yourself, do you also create yourself? <laughs> you for yourself. Yeah, I have sewn my own garments a long time ago when I had time to do so. I don't do that anymore. I do, I do that for my daughter, for example. But no, I would love to have my own brand one day. And right now, I, from my study, I was a product developer for a long time for fashion brands in the Netherlands. And then when I started going online, social media, I, yeah, a few years ago, I stopped doing that work and I only do it as a freelance option. And I work for a few brands who are actually size inclusive. So, and they also, I, I'm not sure if they all ship worldwide, but House of Levi is a very good example of it, who runs sizes from small sizes up to four, do I say it? Do I pronounce it correctly? Four XL. So it's like a 64 European size. So yeah, I'm really proud of working for them. And these are really small brands, just like Upsa is, European produced, whenever it's possible, sustainable. And uh, yeah, proud of that now compared to the bigger brands I've used to work for and always like pushing out as many quantities as we could. Yeah. Now we actually buy what we're selling. I think that's more important. You've just described like the struggle of size inclusivity and finding, you know, the, the sustainable brands and finding the, the thing you like and being able to find it in your size. So what would you say to someone who's struggling with their body image and confidence? How can fashion elevate that or how can that make them more confident? It's so funny because just what you asked me is exactly what my current job on social media as an influencer is all about. I always tell people that fashion, like I said before, it can really make a statement, but it can also express yourself. And with expressing yourself, especially as being a fat person, we are often told that we are not okay or we're not healthy or we should make ourselves as small as possible, which I always find really funny because it's such an opposite. So with fashion, you can really express yourself. And I'm not saying, you know, go all the way, but just be you, you know, be yourself and show off your true self. And if that means your dress isn't flattering, or you're showing off some roles, who cares? You know, it's your body and you can dress the way you like. And that's also something I, yeah, I stand for and what I love to I hope that it's contagious to everybody. And that's also being accepted by everybody. That is, I think, also the reason why many, especially women, always try to hide themselves. But I always tell them, yeah, you can't hide, sweetie. You know, just wear whatever you like. Well, it's interesting that you, that you mentioned that because... I think there's also, and, and there are two things. One is the fashion part, and then the other part yeah. is like understanding how it works. And what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about people that are a little bit more plus size? The biggest misconception, you mean? 
Yeah. I think that the biggest, for sure, number one biggest one is that fat people can, I say fat as a neutral word, by the way, fat people can actually be happy and they can be neutral about themselves and they're not working to get smaller or thinner. They are just the way they are and it's okay. And I think a lot of people have issues with that or they have problems with accepting that. And that's also the reason why some people don't don't expect plus-size, curvy, fat women to dress nicely because they're like shocked that they even look cuter than they wear in their smaller size, for example. Or a good example in this case is also that a lot of women, like back in the 90s when the diet industry was like at its biggest, we were all not buying that dress or we buy a size smaller until we fit in it, we don't wear it. That's not the way it goes anymore. We buy something that fits our body shape, that we like, that we want to wear because there's availability. And the stuff that's too small goes away. It's not a target. It's not a goal anymore. It's the past. And now we're here and we're wearing whatever we like. I think that is a big change. And also something that not a lot of women or people in general are, you know, at that point. But I really hope they will be soon. How important is staying the same weight because at a certain point that's also going to play a factor so like yes it's a little bit weird if you're a size 46 for instance to be like okay i'm gonna be a 36 in the next three months it's like it's like most of the times not even even possible even if you would consider that something you would go for but changing like a couple of sizes how does that impact especially from a fashion sense. Is it like something that people have to be conscious about? Like it's better to stay a certain size and stay around that size than constantly yo-yo between different kind of sizes? Or is that something that from a fashion perspective doesn't matter at all? When I look at it from my personal point of view, it doesn't matter because everybody changes throughout their lives. And when you go from bigger to smaller or from smaller to bigger either way the person will have to you always have to accept your growing or slimming body you know you always have there's always this journey of acceptance the change you don't really recognize yourself anymore and it also goes gradually like you said you're not gonna you know change 10 sizes in three months they promise you this by the way the diet industry it doesn't happen but that's a side note. But yeah, definitely, I think that a lot of people have problems accepting their changing body. That's also something I write about, how to become body neutral with your changing body. I've experienced it myself as well, you know, throughout pregnancy, before, after, growing a little bit. Pandemic also didn't really help with most people's body change. So yeah, it's a big topic, but I think it's really important that you keep a positive mindset whenever that happens, because it is like a journey you have to go through also mentally. I mean, it's physically and it's visible, but it's mentally that you have to work on it. And fashion can be of great help because if your body is growing, don't keep staring to that smaller size. Buy a bigger si size because you're worth it. Your body is not growing out of a punishment or a negative thing. It's growing, period. You know, and the reason why shouldn't be should it matter for you to be able to dress properly? And you shouldn't be keeping that small stuff in your closet. You should just, you know, you're worth it to buy new stuff that fits you now and not yesterday or the day before. So, and when you, of course, when you get smaller, 
it's different because then you can just put a belt around it and you still you can still wear it. But it's often when people grow that they really can't fit in their clothing anymore. It's when they get mental issues around it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a one way block, right? Because if you get smaller, yeah. you can still reuse it or trim exactly. it down. Whereas something that's been shaped, it's harder to add fabric to it to still make it feel the same way. But in both cases, it's a mental journey to yeah. accept it because, yeah. So on, on that note, oftentimes, or from what I'm hearing, I hear there's a lot of emphasis on size and weight, whereas you put an emphasis on shape as well. So yeah, exactly. Can you, can you talk to us more about that? Why shape is as important, if not more important than the size and weight? Because sure. you can have the same size and weight as a person B or your friend next to you, but your body shape is totally different. So exactly, can you, uh, talk to us more about shape and why shape can make or break the compliments that you wear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it has to do also with the style you like and also the shape of your body that you can emphasize certain areas that you like. And then you, when you emphasize the things you like, you like don't make less visible the parts that you don't like, you will probably also accept yourself when you look in the mirror better. You will, you know, have that vibe all over you and you will look more radiant, but also the people who look at you the same way. And when you shop your shape, is the way I always explain it, is that you don't look at the size. You look literally at the shape of a garment. So for example, really simple visual example is that Oversized is not my style. It doesn't suit me. I don't like it on me. So when a garment is oversized, I just dress down two sizes and I just wear it as a regular garment. Whereas another person who is really into baggy stuff just wears it in a regular size and it looked really cool. And I know that for me, it doesn't work. So I buy it two sizes smaller than my own size, for example. I think that is the most clear, you know, to make it more visual example to do that but that is also the reason why with a certain size i shop at smaller sized stores because i just look at the way the garment is shaped i know where my wider areas are where my smaller areas are and that way i just shop wherever i like but i don't always succeed that has to be a side note because it's not always available but whenever it is yeah i have some really nice cherries in my closet then we do have to switch from being a fashion lover to becoming a content creator. Actually, that journey kind of started almost 10 years ago. I think 2014, you yeah. decided, let's start a blog. So yeah. what, was, what was the story behind you deciding, you know what, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to start writing about my experiences. Yeah, I was working at Hinside. It was my dream job, but I was working for a company. I really loved my job. I worked like 60 hours a week. And then all of a sudden, just before Christmas, they came, filed for bankruptcy. So, yeah. So then, you know, with all the hassle that comes with that, you have to sit at home. You can't work yet for another company. You have to wait for all the legal stuff to finish. And I'm not really good at doing nothing. So I decided, you know what? I always get these compliments for looking, dressing cute for a fat girl. I should do something with that. I'm going to make a magazine online and I'm just going to write where you can shop that. And I will tell them how to make combinations, something like that, whatever. I had that in my mind. <clears throat> Wasn't really into blogging. And then I called my brother, who's a, 
he's an artist, but he's also, yeah, he's really good at like branding and stuff. And then he's a graphic designer. I called him, you know, help me with the logo and a name or whatever. And he's like, you're just gonna make a blog, right? And I was like, blog, let me Google that. So it was really funny because I was like living underneath. Oh, that's really a Dutch saying, living underneath the stone. But okay, let's continue with that (laughs) joke. Anyway, I was totally like blunt. He explained it to me. I was like, oh, there are more people doing this. Hmm, That's a good idea. So I decided to just go with it because it was like I had nothing else to do. And I was getting paid for waiting to get all the legal stuff done. And I'm not really good at pausing. So I just went for it all the way. And that's how I started my website. And my brother and I were brainstorming about the name. And I said, well, it has to not be my name and it has to be more than me. And then because I am in Dutch, we have a say, a say of a word. It's called allumfattend. I don't know how to pronounce it in English, but it, it's like oh, a whole. Yeah, it's, yeah, oh, yeah, it's like everything yeah. together. And so he came up with the bigger blog. And then bigger was like literally me being bigger, but also like wink, wink. She's more than just fashion. So that's how it started, actually. It's just me and my computer up all night doing what I love. So you've done that for almost a decade now, the bigger Don't say blog. That loud, please. Yeah, you're you're an OG of your set. You become an OG. It's like, oh, she's one of the original fashion bloggers. Just because a lot of people, and that's also something for you to consider, like how many people do you know from 2014 that started right around the same time as you and are still doing it? Yeah, a few, but also a lot of aren't anymore. Yeah. And that's just a testament to the commitment and to the impact you had people reach out. So I want to compliment you on that for, you know, you. being able to do it as content creators ourselves with this podcast, just going about two, two and a half years now. We, we've had times where we've kind of had a dip and like struggle, like, we're going to do this again next week. And like, uh, oh, yeah, but I have this, yeah, I know what (laughs) you mean. I mean, you get a creative block, like, okay, do I really need to drag myself through it? And then you do. And then you're looking back at it. Like a few people started at the same time you do. They started, stopped at block 10 or episode five. And then you don't hear anything else from them. So that, that is a huge compliment that I, I I have to give you. And on that note. You mentioned it started as the bigger blog and before the we started recording and I think in the, the, the chat as well, you mentioned that you're kind of shifting away from that name, going yeah. to your personal brand or personal name. So can you talk to us about that thought process? Why that sudden shift or like, how do you see that as an individual, a brand that is not your name and why you are taking ownership of that now? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I don't really know the answer to that. So that's a a disclaimer. I've been like since last end of last year or actually, yeah, I've been developing myself. Let's put it that way. So mentally, where I want to go to, what do I want to do in the future? What do I want to be when I grow up? You know, questions like that. But also I am much more than just a content creator. I can do a lot more. And I always, you know, got stuck. Because I'm always trying to be professional. And that's also the reason why I never named my blog my name, like Josina Villa. I always called it the bigger blog. And then on every social account, it was also the bigger blog. And it was really like trying to make a company 
And it was only a few years ago that I realized, but hey, I am the company. I am the brand. I am the reason why people look at my stuff because of what I create. And yeah, actually I had like, I wasn't aware of that. Like I wasn't owning my, yeah, the stuff that I have achieved. So beginning this of this year, I decided, you know what? I'm going to change my name. It might have, you know, when you change your name on socials and everything, it can have a negative effect, right? So I was like really, again, being the businesswoman, thinking, oh, is it a good idea? And then, you know, I thought, you know what? On Instagram, I'm going to change my name and my website. I'm going to think about it a little bit longer, but it's also coming. Yeah, so that was, it, it was like more of my, the compliment that you just gave me was actually something I never gave myself. So I never really thought of, okay, so the reason they're looking at this is because of me instead of the bigger blog. You know, it was always like a company and yeah, now I'm kind of owning it. How does it feel? You have done it now for half a year, kind of transitioning. How does it feel to to move from an, I wouldn't say anonymous because your face was already there, but to move away from a more general towards your own personal brand? How, how does that process feel for you? To be honest, it feels quite good because taking ownership of my achievements, of course, it's, it's really something positive that I've never really realized until I was owning it. And the reason why I didn't want to say goodbye to the name is also because it's my baby, <laughs> you know, so it's a bit of, yeah, it's, it's difficult, but in my, in my head, only it's only difficult in my head, but yeah, no, it. I think I'm more proud of what I'm doing and the thing also with social media, but I don't know if, I mean, if it's, this is applicable for right now, but you know, I'm my own boss. I do like to have somebody sometimes, you know, give me a little push and say, go that direction. I don't have that person. Like I'm all these persons together. Then second of all, I have no, like, you know, nobody's going to punish me or something whenever something goes wrong. You know, I do everything myself, including like shooting styling like all the aspects of being a creator so i'm like like, 10 jobs in one which is fine but sometimes it's also quite lonely in my you know in my head making all the decisions and by owning my name like being really me i really felt like okay now this year there's going to be a change change of the way i express myself the things i'm showing online and I'm not going to be so tough about creating content. I always had like the level here and I'm like, no, my level is fine. I'm okay. So yeah, more confidence, I guess, in, in short. I think it's, it's important to, as you've created content for a while now, you kind of yeah. also already know what your audience is into and what they aren't into. So. You'll yeah, but it, I don't really care about that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, no, I always have bad influencer hashtag because sometimes I just do my own thing. No, I think I, so. Someone, so here in Suriname, somebody recently went, just went viral, like really viral. Yeah. Because she was posting her pictures on Facebook saying, here I am with this person. Here I am doing this. So literally saying, here I am. And people started making fun of it because they were like, oh, here I am putting a comment on your post or here I am sharing your post. And people were really getting into it. 
And yeah. a couple of brands, local brands, really jumped on the opportunity. And basically, we got a fast food fight between different fast food chains saying like, no, here's our influencer now. And one of them, actually, I think all of them probably reached out to her, but she went to one of those fast food chains and she started getting free food and free stuff from those companies because she was viral at the moment that the, the companies wanted to jump into it. I mean, in Dutch yep. and hawkers, it's a really big thing. And in the Netherlands, in Suriname, it's for some industries, it is. And now people are like, hey, wait a minute. We're making fun of her, but she's getting all this free stuff and free publicity. And she's actually becoming famous. And it was only yeah. because she was authentically herself. Yeah. And I know wow. that's just because of the, you also have like this duality. Because on one hand, you're an entrepreneur. On one hand, yeah. you look from a business perspective and are like, hey, um, I should cater to audience. Because at the end of the day, that audience makes it possible for me to live the life that I'm living. But then on the other side, there's also being like, hey, but I don't do this for the money. I actually do this because I really love doing this. So you saying like, I don't, of course, there's a certain amount of care. But yeah, it's more course. important. But it's more important for you to actually enjoy and be yourself. So I yeah, think that's definitely. that's where that's where the, the balance becomes different. That's also kind of a compliment because a lot of reasons why creators stop is they lose themselves. So something goes I viral. So. There's yeah. a way that they continuously go viral, and then. All of a sudden, they're being lived because they have to produce a piece of content that lives up to the expectation of the audience. So exactly. when you mention like, I don't want to be as hard on yourself, even though you do it for yourself, there's also part of it that's saying like, hey, cut yourself some slack because yeah, you kind of already know the type of content you want to make. So if it's maybe a little bit less hours put in, it doesn't mean that the quality is worse than what you did before because you can do more in a smaller amount of time because of the experience you have. Yeah, which but that's to, true. Yeah. Which that's brings me to the next question. Oh, oh. How often do you repurpose content? Like how often I, I make content in general, you mean? Like what, what my well, how often weekly so hours or? No, how often do you like in 2023? jump to a 2018, 2019 post where you realize like, hey, this is actually relevant now as well. And this is evergreen content. I can share this now as well. That's all indeed. I do that. It's all on a written to-do list and it never, I never repeat it. Really lousy, really stupid. No, Diego, see? I'm saying it out loud now. I'm feeling a little bit better about our cut posts. Because we have it on the to-do list as well. <laughs> no, it's, I have a huge to-do list with inspirational stuff. And also like, well, the thing is, like, I also learn from my colleagues, of course. And there are also a lot of newcomers in my niche. And I'm always like, oh, they're doing such a great job. And then at the same time, I think, yeah, what they're telling, I've been telling for years. I'm like, yeah, but it's been a few years that I last told them. So... Indeed, what you're saying, it, it's true that I sometimes forget how 
sometimes a one-day fly social media posts are and that you can easily repeat it. And when people ask me advice about going online and be on social media, I always tell them, you know, just repeating the same stuff every 10 days because they nobody listens or reads. I'm like, yeah, maybe I should practice what I preach. So, got me now. And recorded. Yeah, no, we have to say it's it's certainly like and that's exactly that. It's like I'm a social media consultant and I tell companies all the time and then I look at my own socials and I don't know. Yeah, I totally I totally do that. Yes. But yeah, it's also it also has to do with time, it has to do with well, not not so much with effort, but I do realize that sometimes I have a bigger focus on work related, like paid or themes that I address so not even paid but like a theme and I want to repeat it so sometimes I'm more focused on that but where what I told you previously about me saying always hashtags left influencer which is translated to bad influencer it's like it's real because I you know I have a plan but I don't have a planning so I'm not really a strict influence like a content creator who really has like this whole month lined up in advance no i don't, I don't. that hashtag might actually become a thing you can use it but yeah but uh, it's true on the topic of content creation and as you mentioned you've done or you do a lot yourself from the planning to the styling to the photo shoots to the writing how much do you do or have you done with others on collaboration or if you have a brand that you have to work with? How, how does that relationship look like? And if you have a vision, how do you incorporate that with if you have a brand you like with their vision? Well, it depends. A lot of collaborations, they already, you know, they have seen my account. They have seen what I've done and they come with like, well, they don't come with a plan, but they find a reason why they think we are suitable to work together. And often from that, it just starts creating. And sometimes, especially like when I'm mentally not in a strong position or when I'm really busy or when there's like financial pressure or any kind of mental pressure, the creativity just goes down the drain. So what I do then often, I just get the product in my hand. I just start working with it. I read online when it's, you know, it's like a beauty product. There are ingredients or whatever you can read. There's always inspiration you can find. The only thing that I never do is like look up on Pinterest ideas or find other influencers who have done the same because then I'm like copying. So I always try to stay with myself. But yeah, whenever I create content, it's, it's, it just, I don't know, pops up. And I just go. And sometimes I've, I like, I think two months ago or something, I made content and there was a deadline. I really didn't like it. And I just sent, and it was via an agency. So it's even more embarrassing because, you know, they have to get across your words. And I just told them, listen, I really don't like it. I really don't stand behind this. I, I really don't yeah, support what I've made. Yeah. yeah. So I, I said, I'm sorry. The deadline is, I know it was yesterday, but it's just really not nice. So what do we do? They actually thanked me for being so honest and they gave me another week to create it. And I was really happy with it because I think a lot of my colleagues would have just gone ahead and thought, you know what? I did the job. It's there. The product is, uh, you can see clearly the product. So this is it. Boom. 
I've done the job. And I'm like, no, because I want to show what I want to show. And I have to be really positive about my content. And yeah, so that's why I always, I don't create as much content as my colleagues do, but I do. Yeah, I am really happy whatever I do. It's just not as much as they do, not like daily. Diego, we have maybe a little bit room for quick fire questions or final questions oh. from each one of us. Yeah, go ahead and then I'll close it up. Okay, okay. Yeah, I do, I do have a question which has been on my mind since like half an hour ago. Oh, if you're, if you're willing to say it, what's the most that you've spent on a fashion item? You don't have to give the exact amount, but you can give like rough estimate. Well, not a lot. I'm not like my colleagues. I don't like brands because like Shakespeare said, that's what we call a rose smells as sweet, as sweet by any other name, something like that. So I'm not really uh, a Chanel Louis Vuitton kind of girl. So, uh, well, let's say uh, 300 euros or something. I don't know. In my opinion, not a lot. No, it's, it's a lot of money. But... It's a lot of money, but still not that much. No, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, but for, I do have a new dream, which is a Chanel bag, by the way. But that is oh, not okay. yeah, it's just, it's just a dream. No, so that, that is actually much, much lower than I expected. And it just goes to show you don't need to spend a bag to look good. Yeah. No, definitely not. But <laughs> you can. I must admit, in my collaboration, I've received more expensive garment than 300 euros, but I haven't paid it myself because it was a collaboration. So it was like part of the yeah. deal. So I haven't spent my own money on it. That was sometimes more expensive, but I think for myself about 300, yeah. Uh, it's not that you That's okay, right? It, yeah, you're allowed to that's, that's, that's my number. <laughs> that's my number and I'm not fashionable at all. So. It goes to show, Jean, look, it's what you do with it and what yeah. you, how you combine it and how you match it. With that Definitely. being said, we're nearing the end of it. So I just want to ask, like, you're in your transition phase from the bigger block to Yossi Nuela. What can people expect from you? And where should we send people to since you're now transitioning to like, where should people go to find you? Best way to find me is on Instagram. It's at Yossi Nuela. It's, you're probably going to show it. And secondly, yeah, my transition is that you will see more of this. So the way that we are now chatting spontaneous, you guys throw me for the bus, you know, things like that. That is also something I want to show. So I'm not going to mega edit my videos and photos. I'm just going to be the real me, clumsy, falling, uh, cursing, things like that. So yeah, just being more spontaneous and seeing more of me instead of the perfect version of me. Yeah, I think there's one more thing on the list. Being forever 29. It's good that it's not forever 21, but maybe to close off with some with some words of inspiration or some thoughts that you would like to share with us, what would you say about being forever 29? Being forever 29 is doing whatever you like, doing things that you need to do for you and not for the rest of the world. Be a little bit more selfish and enjoy life a little bit more. Awesome. Wow. That's a great piece of advice to close off this episode of Social Convos. As we mentioned before, don't forget to follow this on YouTube at YouTube slash at Confos. Follow us on Instagram. Follow Yusin on Instagram as well. And as always, the streaming, the streaming episodes will be uploaded by the end of the month. We do them in batches now. We want to thank you for watching Social Confos and hope to see you back next time. Yusin, 
Thank you so much for joining us Thank on you. Social Conference. Bye-bye.